Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, accompanied by my favorite co-worker, Robert Kowalski. How are you doing this afternoon, Robert? Ali, glad to be back in the saddle again with you here today. Let's have some fun. So we're here. We're at the Final Four. I don't think anyone has a correct Final Four in their bracket, let alone even two teams. I know if you're like me who picked UConn to win it all, we're pretty much like the last person standing in 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 every pool. So we're here, and before we get into the games, we have two great matchups this weekend, Florida Atlantic against San Diego State, UConn versus Miami. Before we get into it, Robert, what were the odds? Can I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but can you think of the what you would have made the odds at the beginning of the basketball season for these four teams to reach the final four? Considering the preseason rankings and whatnot, if someone said, I want to place a future bet on November 1st for Florida Atlantic to get to the final four, can you think of what odds you would have placed? Oh, dear God. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, it would have to be in the, the four digits. I, I'd have to, I, I the, like my first thought of is to say Florida Atlantic, even before the season begins, like, look, we knew going in that they had a good program and, and that they were going to be more than just competitive in the conference. Uh, but to say that, you know, Florida Atlantic would not only come out of CUSA, but, you know, just dominate all the way through and make their make their way into the final four. I, I don't know if a thousand to one is even being fair to you. Right. What about San Diego State? San Diego State, I would go a little bit better. Initially, I, I thought that they were going to be not only competitive, but probably right there to win the Mountain West. But still, it's the Mountain West, right? So right. all things being equal with conferences, maybe, maybe at, at best, a four seed. You know, as it is, they got the five with a 31 and six record. Uh they were also in, you know, in the 250, 300 range to win the title when we opened them up. Uh, so again, you're, you're looking at a, a huge, huge balloon number, Ali. Yeah, I would have, if you told me San Diego State was going to be in the final four, I would have said it was Jimmer Vertet. Did Jimmer Vertet come out of retirement and play for like a fifth year that he never, <laughs> of eligibility, we never knew he had. But I mean, I don't think UConn and Miami were that far out of out of the picture. I think preseason they were both ranked decently. So what would you have given UConn and Miami? Okay, so UConn, another story. Uh, going into the, the season, I thought that they were going to be. I mean, look, I thought that they were going to be ranked high, uh, as you know. First of all, the Big East, I have I have ranked higher than than others do it's just i don't know maybe i'm just showing a little bit of my bias uh being from st john's but i'll i'll go ahead and rank the Big East higher no matter what at least one notch higher than most uh but seeing what they did look i mean ali they've got players that are they're going to be lottery picks coming up this this nba draft and, yeah. and they're going to have an incredible incredible uh you know the march that they took into this tournament and then the dominance that they've showed so far, we'll break down the game in a little bit, but uh, not much has changed with their odds from my opening number of their pool to, you know, where they are today. Obviously, you know, they're, they're the prohibitive favorite to right. win the title now, uh, but they were amongst my highest coming out of the big East, um, you know, really 
they, they started to separate themselves right around halfway into the season past Marquette and past Creighton, uh, heck, even past Xavier. But I, I don't know if there was anyone that had Connecticut doing this well this far. Yeah, I mean, I was on them all season, so I don't want to toot my own horn, but I, I liked yeah. it from the beginning. Well, let's go right into the games, and we'll start with the first game on Saturday, and that's number nine, Florida Atlantic, taking on number five, San Diego State. Robert, what are the odds looking like right now? Not not much has changed. I opened up uh, SDSU as a one-and-a-half-point favorite and 132, uh, just a little click down on the total, down to 131-and-a-half. And San Diego State is now a two-point favorite. I'm going to side with the Owls here. I've really been impressed with Florida Atlantic. Obviously, they had a pretty easy first two rounds. They were able to take on number 16, Fairleigh Dickinson, in round two. But then they surprised a lot of people by defeating number five, uh, number five, number four, Tennessee, in the Sweet 16. They beat Kansas State in the Elite Eight, which Kansas State was one of the teams I thought that once Duke got eliminated, they would go all the way to the Final Four. I just think that Florida Atlantic has the experience and they have the versatility on both the offensive and defensive side of the board to really win this game. They're not going to be like how Alabama was against San Diego State when they where they just didn't see a defense like that before. I think Florida Atlantic is a little more experienced. They're not just relying on their offense unlike how Alabama was. So I'm going to take the underdog not only to cover but win here, Robert. I'm going with the Owls. How about you? Okay, great. So I, <laughs> I'm i going to go just for – oh, well, just for the fun of it. I'm going to go with San Diego State, and here's why. Their defense is – top five in the nation right now. And they've shown that all the way through Florida Atlantic has shown a, a good mix of, of top right. 25, almost top 30 offense and defense combined. But the one thing that jumps out for me was the non-conference strength of schedule all the way through. And I think that San Diego state has proven to me more going back to mid December outside of the mountain West versus what I've seen out of Florida Atlantic outside of CUSA. For that reason alone, and I'm telling you, Allie, I am splitting hairs as tightly as I can. These two schools are as thoroughly, I mean, the number to me, the two-point spread, it, it's a perfect number. And I, I honestly think San Diego State wins this by the, the tiniest of margins. Yeah, it's going to be close. If anything, I would say I'm more comfortable betting the under in this one. How about you for the total, Robert? The total. So, again, I, I think with San Diego State probably looking to control the tempo here, I could see the game going under uh, far more than I could see it going over. Yeah. So, and plus, uh, the fact that I picked the Aztecs, you know, that would lean more towards the tempo running in their favor. So, I, I think under the total would be uh, uh, my lean as well. All right, let's move on to the next game, which I think people are a little more excited for just because it's two of the bigger name schools. And that is number five, Miami, taking on number four, UConn. Robert, what is the spread here? So we opened UConn as a five and a half point favorite. Big number for a uh, yeah. a, a final four matchup and the total of 149 and a half. Uh, so that hasn't changed much at all. Uh, equal action both ways, not only on tickets, but on money count. So now, bias aside, because I have UConn winning it all. If you look at UConn in their four games, they played this tournament, Robert, it hasn't even been close with any of their competition. Their closest game was in the second round against the St. Mary's Gales that were ranked number five. 
and they beat them by 15 points. Otherwise, they beat Gonzaga by 28 points the other day. They they beat they destroyed Iona in the first round by 20 something points, I believe. And then you, who was the team that they played in the Sweet 16? But I'm blanking right at the moment. But they won that game too, pretty handily. I don't think that it was even was it Arkansas? Arkansas they beat. Yeah, so, so was- I, there is nothing that, and I respect Miami's run. I did have them go in the Sweet 16. I did not have them beating Houston. I thought they would lose to Texas. They surprised me with how they came back versus Texas. If anything, I think Texas just went cold in the second half, but I'm going to give Miami credit where credit is due. It's just that there is nothing that could compel me to bet against UNC and UNC. I'm sorry, UConn, because they are the hottest team in this entire tournament that we've seen. And it hasn't been close in any of this games, these games. What do you think? I like what you did there, by the way, a little slip there by mentioning UNC. I know. It was a little bit. No, no, no. This is great because I actually had a comment about UNC and the ACC conference in general. Everyone obviously, you know, can kind of bid out and say, okay, it's going to be North Carolina, it'll be Duke, you know, and and then, you know, maybe, you know, a a handful of other teams, not Miami. No one had Miami making it out of the ACC. No one. You can't tell me that. I mean, it was even Virginia was ahead of them. So, look, this is their week to shine and enjoy what they've done. They've got a, a very, very good offensive starting five. It's their defense that is going to be their heel uh, that's going to be really, really going to take it apart. UConn has done nothing short of dominate. And I I actually want to start to think about once this is all said and done, I might want to put up this UConn school uh, season, maybe up against like the Mount Rushmore in terms of dominance. Yeah. uh, Of all time in, in college basketball, because they're, they're not winning. They are, they are rolling schools on their way through the final four and into the tournament championship. So that five and a half alley, I think, is a little too short. I think that UConn gets the cover here and moves on to the championship game. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to side with the over on this one. I think Connecticut can just shoot and score as well. I think that there it's feasible for them to get in the in the 80s for sure. I think Miami will land somewhere in the 60s, maybe get some garbage time points at the end. So it's a high number, but I'm going to side with the over. How about you? Definitely for the over for me. I think UConn can name their score, and I think they might even start to creep into the, the upper 80s. Yeah. As, as I think, as I, th- I definitely think that they'll be somewhere near, you know, the, the mid 40s uh, at the end of the first half if they just keep everything rolling. I mean, Adama Sinogo is just, he to me should be a top five pick. Uh, absolutely, there, there's not going to be any answer for him at all. Uh, you know, down down low, and I think that he's going to make up along with him. And I mean, look, him and Hawkins, it's it's going to be a nightmare for Miami. Yeah, totally agree. And let's not leave out Newt and some of the other guys as well. And I'll give Miami all the credit in the world to Isaiah Wong. He's one of the bright spots of this tournament. It's been great to watch him play, but I think that UConn's just going to be way too much for them. But we'll talk more about the final, the championship game on Monday. Let's move on to the NFL, Robert. I know we do have MLB opening day tomorrow. 
but we'll dedicate an MLB episode next week. When it's probably a little better once we're in a week into the season. Who knows? Maybe the pitch clock will be finally done by then. I don't think that it, it has a lasting life this year, but that's my opinion. Anyway, let's go to the NFL because the big news this week, Lamar Jackson came out on Monday, I believe, and said that he had requested the Ravens to trade him. I wasn't surprised at all. They've been in bad contract negotiations for over a year now. Robert, where do you see this heading, first of all? Do you think Lamar Jackson is still going to be a Raven on week one, yes or no? Okay, I'm I'm going with the boring answer. As much as I think that everyone wants to see him move on, uh, he he's going to be a Raven. Um, I, I, if I am the general manager of, of Baltimore, I have a responsibility <laughs> to fill up those seats inside Baltimore. And uh, I, I'm, I, I want this, this incredible athlete to just stay and, and ride the team. And, you know, as far as we can go, because if, if I have Lamar Jackson, I have a, I have a shot at making it into the AFC championship game. So, uh, you know, Rather than concentrating on trading him away, let's let's see if we can pick up a couple more pieces here, not only in the draft, but maybe make a maneuver. Uh, there's still some players out there that, you know, aren't happy uh, from an offensive perspective, maybe a defensive perspective. Let's get him some talent along the side of him. Yeah, I know DeAndre Hopkins has been one of the ones rumored about being on the move. That would be a nice compliment for him. So I'm, I'm going to agree with you with the boring answer because originally – I thought he was going to be a Washington commander, maybe a Tennessee Titan, maybe an Indianapolis Colt. But the more I've seen just stories unfold over the past week, Robert, it just doesn't seem like any team is willing to give up two first round draft picks for a quarterback that has missed what eight games in each of the last two seasons that has never played a full season and if really, if you take about out his MVP season, his his career is kind of Cam Newton esque. I, I think that's a fair comparison for it. So you know, if you're the GM, say of the Colts, though, you have the fourth overall pick. You're not going to get Stroud. You're not going to get Bryce Young. You're going to be stuck with Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. It, is it enticing to you? More enticing to you to say, hey, if I got to give up two picks for Lamar Jackson. I'm going to wipe out this pick this year and give that to the Ravens because I don't like either of these two quarterbacks and I'll sacrifice my first round pick next year. Would that be smart if you were the GM of the Colts? Wow. I mean, I, I never thought about it from that perspective. The Colts are just so dead in the water right now. They I mean, too, you struck out on the last two quarterbacks you traded for. So there's that caveat. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I'm of the position where, again, the way you win a Super Bowl right now is is one of three ways. A, you have Patrick Mahomes. Okay, great. Now let's pretend you don't have Patrick Mahomes. So number two is you have a all pro level quarterback that you're paying the the premium of premiums, 45, 50, 55 million a year. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say whoever, let's just say Aaron Rodgers. Um, then that's the next best way that you could make it into the Super Bowl and, and win. Uh, third is you're the fortunate team like the Eagles. You have a uh, rookie quarterback on a rookie contract and you did it. You you found the gem. Um, 
That's the third way to make it into the Super Bowl. Uh, and then if you're the fourth example, um, you you are you're paying some middling, you know, you know, top twenty five quarterback uh, far more money <laughs> than than they're worth. And uh, yeah, you don't want to be team number four, not at all. Uh, then there's the Colts, and they have they have a lot more that they need to address than just quarterback. Ali, um, I think they need to continue to draft a quarterback in round one until they get this thing right. Yeah, the only teams I think it would be feasible for, and I'll repeat it, I think it would be intriguing for the Titans to do that because I do think that the Titans, Titans are one season removed from being the number one seed in the AFC. I think if you put Lamar Jackson on that team where you have probably, you're you're looking at only a few more years of Derrick Henry in his prime. You have some nice young receivers that you got in the draft last year. You have a stellar underrated defense and a great head coach in Mike Vrabel. The Titans are one team that I could see pulling the trigger because it it, it doesn't look like Malik Willis is going to pan out. I know that he's only had a few starts, but the guy just does not look like uh, he belongs in the NFL. And there's a reason I think that he fell from the first round last year to the third round. So if I'm the Titans and, you know, my draft pick's not great. I think you're in the late teens. I would actually be willing to sacrifice that draft pick this year and a draft pick next year because I think I could win that division. I don't know if the Jaguars will still be this, be as good as they were last year. They didn't sign anyone in free agency. They lost quite a few guys, not only on the offensive line, but on the defense as well. So if you're the Titans and you get Lamar Jackson and he stays healthy, I think you have a shot of reclaiming that number one or number two seed. What do you think about the Titans, Robert? So I got it. I have to get one more full season in. Just one more. Right? I Look, the kid was so good in college. He was so fast. Mm-hmm. And he was able to make so much room for himself. Maybe, just maybe, Allie, maybe if we build around him for this coming season. And by build around him, I, I mean, look, they, they already have one of the greatest weapons I've ever seen at running back. I'm, I want to find someone that can absolutely pull and and create some real, real room on the left or, or, or you know, the center. I'm looking at a good, good guard or tackle to help him out mm-hmm. and give him more than the one and a half seconds that he got in the very limited games that he played last year. Maybe that uh, we'll, we'll actually start to see some disruption and give him a chance to to show off his arm and his ability to create offense. I think that's exactly what I would like to see uh, in, well, heck, uh, less than four weeks when the draft comes around. Let's build around him and, and give him one full season uh, to prove that you know he was worth that high draft pick that the Titans spent on him. Well, to your point, and yes, I, I should go, I should say that I'm not one that believes in giving up on on quarterbacks only after a season or two, unless you're Zach Wilson, because I just think that his his head's in a different space. But this is a little different, Robert, because he's not a first round draft pick. He's a third round draft pick. And, you know, there's not a great track record of quarterbacks being picked out of the first or second round that have success. Sure, there's your outliers. There's your Tom Brady's. There's some, there's some other guys that have been drafted in the later rounds. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I just I just feel like 
it's a little different with Willis because there has to be a reason he slid down to the third round last year. Like he didn't even get drafted in the second round and the Titans didn't have like one of the first picks in the third round either. So he was drafted very, very, very low. There had to be something with the scouts that they just saw him, whether it was at the combine or interviews. I don't know what it was, but there has to be a reason that all 32 teams pass on him the first two rounds. And it took a lot of teams to pass on him in the third round before he wound up with the Titans. So I don't know if I have as long, long of a leash with Willis as I would have with say like a Justin Fields, who is, who has shown promise with his legs. We still haven't seen it from his arms or what is another quarterback, you know, a Kenny Pickett, who is a first round guy. I don't know if I'm willing to give Willis basically waste the season, Robert, if you have Willis as your quarterback and you're still in prime you still can contend. I mean, if he's as bad as he was last season or only shows minimal improvement, you just wrote off another big year in Derrick Henry's career. So I don't, I don't know. Let's move on to the the, the commanders. Cause that's another team that's been whispered. If you're the commanders, do you go for Jackson as well? Right. So there is a different scenario altogether. Um, whereas Tennessee I feel has a bit of wiggle room to, you know, to make it in and, you know, shake things up from, from their offensive and actually defensive perspective, the commanders had themselves a, a good year. And if not for the way things shook up in their matchups against the giants, maybe they were going to be the ones that would have made it into the playoffs with a very limited, you know, a, a very limited playbook offensively. So, if they if, if somehow this plays out and let's just play you know uh, fantasy football for a moment and we, we get Lamar Jackson on Washington I probably would make them among the top choices to win the NFC if 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 the Washington commanders got Lamar Jackson and let's just say Aaron Rodgers does go to the Jets you can make a case that Lamar Jackson is probably the best, when healthy, the best quarterback in the NFC. Can you not? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm just looking at right now, like who, would, who would be better? You could throw out maybe Matt Stafford, but Stafford, we don't know what he's going to be like coming back from injury. Jalen Hurts, as bright of his future, he still is. He still does. Besides the one really stellar year, he still has doesn't have the proven track record. Um. Dak Prescott, definitely not. So, yeah, I mean, I think you would have to give give it to Lamar. And if I'm Lamar Jackson, I want to go to the NFC then. I don't have to compete against Josh Allen. I don't have to compete against Pat Mahomes. I don't have to compete against Joe Burrow. No. To me, the NFC is where I want to go if I'm Lamar. I would agree with that 100%. I mean, it seems to be like the best fit uh, of all teams that are in – I mean, look – very few teams can say, hey, we've got our quarterback. Um, so Lamar Jackson would be an improvement over pretty much anybody that's currently rostered as a quarterback. I think that landing on the commanders, which by the way, I'm I'm offering commanders at 82 to one right now to win the, the right. Super Bowl next year. I'd have to cut the number right in half if Lamar Jackson ends up there. Now, that being said, you know, not giving up additional pieces as well, right? They've got a, a good core, not a great one. 
But if, if pieces had to come back away from the commanders, um, maybe I won't cut them in half, uh, uh, maybe just a little bit. But I, I think, honestly, if Lamar Jackson ends up a commander, they'd have to be 35 to 1 to win. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair statement. I mean, they still have to somehow beat the Eagles, who aren't not as good as last year, but they're still going to be a contenders. You still have the Vikings are going to compete. Detroit Lions are going to be very, very much improved. Uh, we'll see what the Rams do when they bounce back. And who knows what's going on with the 49ers situation with Purdy's coming back or if Lance is going to stay healthy. But yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. Let's move on because we're even though we're 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 saying some teams hypothetically, I think you and I still both agree that Lamar Jackson is going to be a Raven week one. Let's move on to the other quarterback in question, and that's Aaron Rodgers. Robert, it's been what two, three weeks since Aaron Rodgers has said that he intends to play for the Jets, and he did so. You could have pretty much popped a balloon. That's how enthusiastic he was about it. So, so I, I just. I don't see this trade going through still. I know I'm probably in the minority, but do you see this trade happening to the Jets? It is getting kind of late, isn't it? Uh, we're, we're a month out from, we're less than a month out from the draft. So yeah. if, if you don't have it, listen, the Packers want a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers, which I think they deserve a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. If the Jets aren't going to part ways with their first round pick this year, I, I don't see the trade happening. Do you? Yeah, so I think what happened is we have a classic cart before the horse scenario where the Jets said, yeah, hey, we're trade for Aaron Rodgers. All right, it's done. Everyone else, go ahead and put your phone away. Uh, yeah, we got a problem because they're not agreeing to any kind of terms as to who's going to get what here. So all of the leverage has completely just been blown to shreds. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like... You would think that before speaking to Aaron Rodgers, I think that maybe the Jets might have wanted to talk with the Packers management about Yeah, you would have thought that they would have a deal in place and they just needed Aaron Rodgers to sign off on it. <laughs> There's still deal in place, so I'm just so confused as to I mean, what... it doesn't surprise me. This is the Jets franchise. Like I know you were you and I are Giants fans. We just laugh at the Jets because they seem to make this air 24-7. So if you had to put odds up on the board for people to bet. What are the odds that he a goes to the Jets and b stays with the Packers? No, I'll, I'll still say because look, just think of it from like a a perspective of of the Packers side. It's like if he comes back to Green Bay, how bitter is this season going to be? Oh, I think it's perfect for him. I think he's going to have something to prove, and he's going to uh, once again take them to the playoffs. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there, especially in the in the NFC. I mean, look, he'd have to, and it's going to be about a forty million dollar cap position for him. Uh, he's he's got to get traded, doesn't he? I, I, I was thinking, is Jordan Love actually going to start every game for the Packers? Let's <laughs> talk real quick about that, Jordan Love. Uh, from what I've seen for Jordan Love, I don't think he's terrible, but I don't think he's a long-term solution for a starting NFL quarterback. Where do you rank him? I kind of rank him in, he could probably be a starter for anywhere from two to three years until you find another franchise guy, but I don't see Jordan Love as your franchise guy. Do you? No, no. I, I think we'll see an awful lot, much like, 
look again, and it, this, it's just the way of the NFL now, Ali. I think that if you you give a quarterback a full season to see if he can, you know, bring the team to first day, you know, um, over 500 record, that's that's the first step you want to take. And then the second season, you want to see a game improvement over that, maybe a wild card spot. And then in season three, you want to be in the playoffs every year, every year with that quarterback, no matter what. Because uh, at that point, he has to be able to make others better around him. That's kind of what Rodgers has done with his entire career. It doesn't matter who you've surrounded him with. He was going to make players better. Those are the elite. Um, yeah. we'll, know, we'll know by week 10 what kind of quarterback Jordan loves. Yeah, and it's not just a, a sample when he came in against the Eagles last year and the game was over by then. He pretty much just put up some garbage time points. Like He's going to get challenged. He's it's, He's going to be the starting guy, so – We'll see. I still don't think that the trade happens. I want everyone to mark it down Wednesday, March 29th. I still don't, I still think Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Packer next season and it's going to be a beautiful disaster to watch him <laughs> clash with the, with the front office in the off season. Listen, I don't think Matt LaFleur wants him to get traded. You heard him Matt LaFleur the other day saying, yeah, you know, if we don't have Aaron Rodgers. No, we're not a better team next year. I think if there's something wrong with the with the manage with the owners and maybe he has a beef with how much, you know, Aaron Rodgers wants to go on darkness retreats and take ayahuasca, whatever. But I, I, just, I just, if I'm at LaFour, like I'm not pumped about going into next season with Jordan Love as my quarterback over Aaron Rodgers. Are you? No, no, definitely not. I, I don't foresee a, a, a Super Bowl parade with Jordan Love. I could be very, very wrong, uh, you know, but uh, not him. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We will be back on Monday to talk about, we'll give a preview for the championship game. We'll see who wins out of UConn Miami and Florida Atlantic and San Diego state. We will also do a baseball preview. We got opening day coming out tomorrow. I really am curious to see how this pitch clock, how the success either it has or doesn't. I'm not a fan of it. I'm also not a fan of how, the shift you can't shift against um you know you can't put the shift against left-handed batters but we'll see what happens with that robert before we sign off any more thoughts or words from the audience oh yes no no definitely uh i'm, I'm excited for for monday's episode do tune in for that i'm going to give you the uh the most blazing of hot take world series champions you'll ever hear on monday's episode yeah <laughs> all right everyone have a great day take care 